I'm Roger Baker, Executive Director of the Stratfor Center for Applied Geopolitics at RAIN, a global center of excellence for geopolitical intelligence and analysis. Learn how you can put geopolitics to work for your organization at rainnetwork.com. Hello, and welcome to RAIN's Essential Geopolitics podcast. Over the past few months, the U.S. government has undertaken a campaign to disable aspects of the Chinese hacking campaign, Vault Typhoon. Though details on U.S. efforts have yet to be released, disabling Vault Typhoon would mark an important step in government efforts to help secure critical infrastructure from Chinese espionage and malware prepositioning. In this episode, Rain's cyber analyst Haley Benedict will help us better understand this threat. Hi, Haley. Hi, Emma. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Um, to start us off, uh, can you tell us what we know so far about Volt Typhoon and why this development is so significant? Yeah, so Volt Typhoon is a Chinese state-sponsored hacking group that has been active since at least 2021. And in the past, it's targeted a really wide range of industries, which includes communications, manufacturing, utilities, transportation, construction, maritime, government, IT, education, so really a, a wide range. Um, and then in May 2023, a Microsoft report revealed that there was Chinese malware deep within U.S. critical infrastructure. Um, and then further analysis found that that same campaign, which was Volt Typhoon, had also targeted critical infrastructure, including naval ports, telecommunications, transportation hubs, internet service providers, and intel intelligence agencies and utilities of a lot of different countries within the Five Eyes Partnership, as well as the U.S. island territory of Guam. So Microsoft also said that um, with moderate confidence that this Volt Typhoon campaign is pursuing the development of capabilities which could disrupt critical communications infrastructure between the United States and the Asia region in the future. So this campaign was really first observed when they were investigating attempted cyber intrusions at a U.S. port. Um, and the extent of it and its focus on the criti Western critical infrastructure is really notable just because it indicates that China is seeking to really bolster its cyber preparedness and for stuff that it could use in the event of future conflicts. So also really important is that focus on U.S. military locations. Um, strategic ones like Guam suggest that some of this cyber espionage activity may at least be in part motivated by considerations around Taiwan and the potential for military confrontation between China and Taiwan and maybe with China and the West. So even though China doesn't really typically pursue disruptive cyber activity right now, and it's, it's really heavily espionage focused, this kind of persistent access within those Western networks and then really highly sophisticated evasive tactics um, could enable these Chinese threat actors to deploy that more disruptive malware in the future. What um, kinds of other efforts have Western law enforcement taken to combat uh, foreign cyber operations like these? Yeah, so the dismantling of Volt Typhoon, they really haven't announced a whole lot of details about it, just that they've been given authorization to kind of go after this and that they have been successful in efforts to disrupt at least some parts of it. So that's really good news. And, um, and it's really in line with some of the other stuff that we've seen from the Biden administration in their 
bolstered efforts to combat some of these foreign cyber threats. Um, and one aspect of this where we've seen a lot of progress and a lot of developments is in ransomware takedowns. So one example of this um, is a group called ALF-V or, or Black Hat, which at its peak was the most pro really prolific ransomware threat behind Lockbit ransomware group. So it targeted the computer networks of more than a thousand victims, including some of the networks that support U.S. critical infrastructure. And the U.S. Justice Department says that over the last year and a half, this group Black Hat emerged as the second most prolific ransomware as a service variant in the world and then cost victims hundreds of millions of dollars in ransom paid. Um, so the fact that it's a ransomware as a service is really notable here for taking that down. Um, so in December, the U.S. Justice Department and FBI disrupted its operations, and what they did is they removed the group's leak sites and also released a decryptor for some of its ransomware strains. So I'll come back to this a little bit more in a little bit about what that really means. Um, but to give another example, a high ransomware network is another one that the Justice Department recently announced some updates on its disruption. And it's a little bit different because it's one that we've been seeing developments on as part of a months-long campaign from the U.S. government. Um, and it really started apparently in late July 2022 when the FBI first penetrated Hive's computer networks. And there it was able to capture its decryption keys and was able to offer these to the victims. Um, and it prevented victims from having to pay $130 million in ransom demanded. And then since then, um, since July 2022, the FBI says that they provided over 300 decryption keys to, to Hive victims and that it's distributed over 1,000 additional decryption keys to previous Hive victims. So then most recently, on January 26, 2024, um, so last week, the FBI announced um, in coordination with German law enforcement and the Netherlands that it had seized control of the servers and the websites that Hive uses to communicate with its members. So now they're saying that they've really disrupted Hive's ability to attack and to extort victims, which makes it a really notable development um, in addition to what we saw a year and a half ago where they're just getting that initial um, penetration into the systems. Now they're, they're able to disrupt it. Um, another example that's pretty notable is uh, the takedown of Russia-based Conti ransomware operation. So the whole thing started 2022 again. Um, just two days after this group had pledged support for the Russian invasion of, of Ukraine, um, there was a Twitter profile called ContiLeaks that started leaking the group's internal communications. And then in the following months, its really business-like approach kind of disintegrated. Even though attacks were still continuing, you could tell that the group was starting to fall apart. Um, and then by mid-May, its websites had completely stopped working. And it's good. To, it's a good example to highlight because it does show how shutting down this operation is kind of like a game of whack-a-mole. It's really, it's really ambiguous sometimes about whether or not this group is actually down. If, if its websites aren't working, then that's how they're not going to be able to communicate a lot of times, or they're not going to be able to leak um, that data. Yeah, you mentioned um, successful disruptions to these campaigns by the U.S. Um, how effective have these Western efforts been for preventing resurrections or repeats of these campaigns? Kind of what is the overall outlook for the U.S.'s success against current foreign campaigns in the short and long term? 
Yeah, so it's really tough um, to say they're 100% effective because ransomware groups can be really effective. So like I said, it is kind of a constant game of whack-a-mole. So every time a group is destroyed, another one maybe takes its place. Um, it'll splinter, it'll rebuild, it'll rebrand. Its websites maybe will pop back up or it'll maybe its business approach will start to disintegrate, but then the attacks will still continue, and it's just a matter of, are people still paying ran ransom? Is their, still, is their threat still credible? Um, but yeah, like, when they're splintering and they're rebranding, reforming, um, that's, really, that's really tough to combat. Um, or affiliates, so, like those from Black Cat, um, those maybe who hired group services, um, they might be going to other major groups. So law enforcement can take down their leak sites, they can issue decryptors, but they might reemerge with new websites and then shift tactics, tactics adopt new strains. Um, but it's really helpful when there are decryptors and when the internal servers and the communications are um, disrupted. So the Black Hat takedown is a good example kind of of how like this, this will happen where the groups will try and make it seem like they're still around um, and it'll be ambiguous about whether or not they're really gone or not. But um, what happened in December was that the FBI decryption tool allowed them to offer over 500 affected victims the capability to restore their systems. And so this saved multiple victims from ransom demands that totaled around $68 million. And then it was also helpful because the FBI was able to gain visibility into the group's computer networks, um, and then it sees the websites that the groups had operated. So um, this, even though the group made maybe several efforts to appear as if the Justice Department hadn't really been successful in its takedown uh, take efforts uh, by making new pop-up leak sites, there wouldn't be any data on the sites prior to the date that they were taken down, so it did undermine the credibility of that threat. And they didn't want it to seem like it had been taken down because people weren't going to be incentivized to pay that ransom if they know that their systems can be decrypted um, and that it's not really there's not really a substantiated threat that having their systems locked and their data leaked is really going to happen. Um, and then they would also, as a ransomware as a service organization, lose a lot of revenue from those affiliates who are going to stop using their services, especially since a decryptor is available. So it's not really a good threat to be locking systems with Black Hat ransomware if it's something that organizations can more easily combat with other decryptors. So this is kind of a case where ransomware as a service organizations also show how when the operation is disrupted, all those affiliates that aren't directly part of Black Hat, but were using the Black Hat ransomware strain are going to go somewhere else to get that service. So they might be pushed they may be pushed more business to Lockbit, for example, or other major ransomware-as-a-service organizations. Can you repeat the second part of your question? Oh, yeah, of course. Um, just kind of what is the outlook for the U.S.'s success against these um, foreign campaigns, uh, both in, like, the short and long term? You can just give, like, a general overview, I guess. Yeah, so definitely it's going to be something that they're going to continue to pursue. Um, it's definitely a priority for the Biden administration. They have their cybersecurity strategy. They have initiatives like Defend Forward, um, where they're offensively going after some of these nation state groups to dismantle their cyber operations. Um, and it's but it, like I said, it is really difficult, especially with ransomware, because they're going to do that splintering, that that rebuilding and that rebranding. Um, and they might pop back up or they might just join other groups. So it's tough to say to see it, it's it's a constant chase. Um, but 
there are definitely efforts, and it has led to maybe a decrease in ransomware payments, um, and that's good news. Well, thanks, Haley. I mean, this is a huge topic. Um, I'm sure it's of like much interest to our audience, so I look forward to hearing from you again um, as we follow this. Thanks so much. If you're interested in more analyses from Rain, you can subscribe to our geopolitical intelligence product, Rain Worldview. Our suite of risk products allow clients to access the insights and analyses they need to make more informed decisions. You can sign up or learn more at our website, rainnetwork.com. That's R-A-N-E network.com. I'm Emma Kami. Thanks for listening.